The RPG After Years is part of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Find out more at probablywork.com. Hey folks, my name is Brett and I'm one of the hosts of Skeleton House, an audio-only Let's Play podcast where my two friends Jess... What is happening? Oh my god! ...and Steve... Even he looks spooked. ...play through video games, and I edit them, add context, and act as your eyeballs. Also, we have a cat. Come check us out at skeletonhouse.budsprout.com or look up Skeleton House on your favorite podcast app. Or your least favorite podcast app. I'm not here to tell you how to live your life. friends, this is Troidal Power, host of the Troidal Power Presents the Power Playthroughs podcast with Troidal Power, a podcast where I, your host, Troidal Power, play through games in a powerful way. And I'm inviting you to listen to Troidal Power Presents the Power Playthroughs podcast with Troidal Power, a podcast where I, your host, Troidal Power, play through games in a powerful way. You can find it and a lot of other weird shows at probablywork.com. everybody your worst fears have come to fruition it's me i'm back the show is dead and i've come to reclaim what was once rightfully mine lol (laughs) hello everybody it's me it's Bill. It's the guy from the UK back in your ears once again. And yes, don't worry, don't worry. I'm not really taking the show back to where it was once before. Scott and the gang have taken this show in a wonderful direction that I absolutely love the bits. But once in a while, I will finish a game and it will come back to us. <laughs> so us, I always think of I always think of you, the audience, as part of myself. So you know, we are all one, and we all talk to each other all the time. <laughs> but yes um i yeah i'm very very sad that uh jay's decided to step back from the podcast but at the same time i completely understand his decision you know we as uh podcasters especially when it's a show such as this it's something that we do as a hobby it's a bit of fun for us and the fact that we've actually had like you know uh i mean you know we, we, we're not hitting huge numbers or anything but you know i i consider the show to be a huge success from where from where it originally was where i basically just had you know me rich and our only listener was Deesa. you know we've come a very very long way since then and 
We've got an absolutely fantastic community of people as well who interact with us on the show, and I absolutely love it. So I'm, I'm pleased that Jay's going to remain part of our community, and he will be sorely missed. I, I did love his opinions and, uh, and views on stuff, and also he was our witcher. So everybody toss the coin to Jay and wish him, wish him a fond farewell as he spends more time with his family, which I can understand. You know, there are many times I want to snap my laptop in half, throw it out the window and be like, there you go. I can't podcast anymore. It's all done. I haven't got time for this shit. <laughs> uh, but it is a fun hobby. I do love podcasting. And that's why you continue to hear from me. You know, I may take little gaps here and there because of the same type of pressures from work and family. But, you know, I will come back when I can. And here I am today. And what are we doing today, people? Yes, I'm absolutely 100% sure you've all read the episode description. So you know what it is. We are doing the NES Ghost Lion Review. Ghostline, everybody. Do you guys remember Ghostline? Do you remember me starting this game? Angry ass black dude does. Because, um, yeah, he may have uh, donated £10 for me to start this game to the Patreon. Um, so, thank you very much, Angry ass black dude. Um, and I know you're no longer on the Patreon, which is why I think this is a, um, a suitable gift for you to make sure it goes out onto the main feed so you get to hear it first. Uh, apart from, you know, the actual patrons who will get to hear this a couple of days early. So, you know, we owe to you guys. <laughs> uh, but yes, I, I I, thoroughly enjoyed this game. So I'm very glad that it got nominated in the way it did. Because uh, I have to admit, it wasn't high on my list of games to play from the uh, uh, what I call the pre-golden list. So pre-golden list, you say, Bill? Yes, yes, yes. There are multiple, multiple lists. Come on, people. You know me by now. I'm some sort of weird OCD person where all I want to do is create lots and lots of lists of things to do and never complete them. So <laughs> back in the old days of the golden years, so let's, let me take you back Wayne's World style. So we used to have, um, as uh, our Patreon exclusives, we used to do uh, the NES titles. So what we considered before the golden years, because let's face it, the NES titles can be a little bit hard sometimes, a little bit grindy. Um, you know, who would have thought, you know, who would have thought that, you know, the games that we considered the golden years, and, you know, the SNES and all that era would have also been grindy ass bastards looking at you fantasy star 2 and sword of oblivion but um yes <laughs> um he was just like you should play this game it's bonkers i was like oh well it's a patreon game so he's like here you go tenor start playing it now admittedly it took me about two years to complete this game uh because that's just the sort of inconsistent person i am really i kept picking it up loving it putting it back down because other games took over priority just for whatever reasons um, but the game is an absolute beast to play 
But we're going to start you off here, guys, and we're going to discuss the development of the game. talking anything like i i can literally all i can find is that the game was released by chemco and it was developed by chemco and yeah you know the the bug who composed the music is a hiroki masanu yeah lots of information here people i'm trying yeah i mean dead in the water here i mean this this game so this game was originally released on the 14th of July in 1989 in Japan, and then as was the case with a lot of things in the NES era at this time, it took a little while to make it out to the rest of the world. You know we've seen this with Dragon Dragon Warrior, which I think may have come out in like if I remember rightly in like 88 or 89 in like America and Europe, but came out in 84 in Japan. Like these sort of things sometimes take a little while to come out, but the weird thing with this is that it didn't come out in America, and only in America. It didn't come out in Europe, so I didn't get this game, until October, no specific date in October, 1992. So when there's no specific date, <laughs> I'm going to go for the 1st of October, which equates to a grand total of 10,525 days ago. <laughs> yep. Oh, 10,000, man, that's, that's quite an impressive thing. <laughs> what an impressive feat, shall we say. Um, yeah, so it just took a little while to came out over here, and you you kind of think to yourself, why? Why was this game released? So in, in essence, this is a Dragon Quest clone. So they're trying to jump off the back of that bandwagon, you know, and try and get in with the zeitgeist of Dragon Quest and be like, everyone's going to want to buy these RPGs because Nintendo Power gave away copies of Dragon Quest to people. So that's why everyone owns a copy of Dragon Quest. But yeah, now they tried to push this game out gently. And it was at the end of the NES's life cycle. And to the point where the SNES had already come out. So like, not even Nintendo Power are going to be pushing this game on anyone, which is why hardly anyone's ever heard of it. And Nintendo Power, in fact, it only ever gave a small column's worth of notes about the ghost line to advertise it to the world. It's like, hey, this, this game exists. Here's two people's one paragraph description of the game. Yeah, <laughs> enjoy everybody. And so, yeah, so it was never really, yeah, you kind of wonder yourself, why was this released? And you have to just think, Chemco must have just thought to themselves, we've got a good game here. 
we can push this out to the world. Maybe they should have got it. They should have, not even a maybe, they should have definitely, definitely got this game out sooner. But they just failed to do so. Well, I'm sure you're all dying to know. Bill, Bill, what was we listening to in 1992 in October? Well, in the States, you guys listened to this for like two months at number one. Oh, yes, it's the classic. Boys to Men. Guys and girls, this was at the American number one from the 15th of August all the way to the 7th of November. That was an absolute belter of a song. And I'm sure you're thinking, wow, that was in, that was in the US number one for ages. Was Surely that must have been number one in the States. But, oh, no, you'd be wrong, people. I mean, sorry, not in the States, in the UK. But, oh, no, everybody, you'd be wrong. You'd be very, very wrong. Because we wouldn't be having Boys to Men as number one for a couple more weeks. End of October, sure, but at the beginning, no. We were listening to, uh, um, yeah, The Shaman. Ebenezer Good, which uh, may, may contain uh, a slight drug reference. <laughs> oh, yes. This is The Shaman, people. And this is Ebenezer Good. Because, <laughs> you know, he's a good, apparently. <clears throat> no comment. <laughs> but, oh, yes. I forget. I always forget what the 90s were like growing up. <laughs> I was, um, you know, I, was, I wasn't old enough to be out in the rave scene. But I remember all this music being big everywhere. On the radio, everywhere else. And it was just... Um, I feel like this is more appropriate to Ghostline, if I'm honest. Yeah, 90s white people rapping. He's Ebenezer good, he is. <laughs> oh, I'm just going to lock this out for a minute just so we can get to the actual he's a good bit. <laughs> This is lyrical genius. He's a good. Ebenezer good. <laughs> oh, yes, anyway. That's enough of that nonsense, people. <laughs> sorry about that. Sorry I had to, yeah, so sorry I had to put you all through that. I, I do apologize. <laughs> but you know, I lived through it, people. I was there. You know, I was a young, young boy and I lived through that terrible, terrible time of music. But secretly it was really good. It was really fun. Happy times. Oh, the 90s. The 90s were a happier times when people did very bad things all the time. <laughs> uh, anyway, anyway, like I said, basically, nothing on the development of Ghost Line. It was released by Namco to Japan first, came out years later in the States, came out at the end of the NES lifestyle. After the SNES had come out, no one gave a shit about it. Decent game, check it out. And that's the end of my review. No, I'm only joking. I'm only joking. <laughs> Let's move on, people, to the story section.
So as you probably guessed, I've got a fair bit of love for this game. Fair bit of love. You know, not too much, but a fair bit. But story-wise is probably not one of the places where this is going to shine, as you can imagine. Because quite frankly, yeah, there's not a lot that actually really happens. So, you know, when you, you fire up the game and you start off and you kind of you you're starting off as this girl Maria. Now, if you've seen the box art for this game, um uh, yeah, go go look up the Japanese box art. The Japanese box art is a lot more intuitive of what the game actually is going to be like. I mean, the Japanese box art looks like some sort of really cool 80s children's anime sort of scene on the front, whereas the, the North American box art has got like uh, this lady in spandex and like a headband who looks like she's about to do some sort of 80s workout video. With this huge white line that she's like straddling behind it, and it's just uh, it's not representative at all. Like Maria's eight years old, your main character, but um, yeah, it's also one of the points where the game shines. This is this is an eight year old girl as your main character during a time when pretty much everything else in the world has you set as the masculine hero. So this this game, you know, um, I praised I praised Fantasy Star One for the same thing because it had a, a female protagonist. And I'm going to praise Ghost Line on the same thing. Now, where the game gets very confusing is the word Ghost Lion. So, Ghost Lion is used on the cover art. When you boot up the game, it's called Legend of the Ghost Lion, not just Ghost Lion. But, in fact, in Japan, it was actually called White Lion Dens... I can never say that word. Densetsu. Uh, pyramid no katata so it meant white lion white lion legend beyond the pyramid and when you start actually flicking through the manual it's always referred to as the white lion there's one point where it's called the white ghost lion but other than that it's always called white lion so god knows where namco and you know <laughs> probably nintendo probably helped publish this game at some point god knows where they came up with the name ghost lion to release this out to the west it should have been called white lion and it just doesn't just doesn't make too much sense really. But the game the game kind of opens up with uh, you know not this yoga clad <laughs> 80s workout star with a gigantic sword in her hand and big leather boots. No, you start off as this little girl in a pretty dress <laughs> whose parents are leaving because your village was attacked by the white lion. Um, you know, but luckily a hero appeared and drove the white lion away. But your parents not not kind of happy with this situation, they decide they're going to leave the village uh, to find out where the lion came from and what its purpose was. And so, they, you know, they get in this weird canoe thing and kind of just float off. And then that's it. They never return. So Maria picks up this picks up this spear, which was which was actually used to drive the white lion away. You know, it only hit the lion once, but that's what it was there for. And apparently it belonged to a great hero who used the spear to protect the village previously from the, from this lion. So she picks it up and sets off into this uh, into this dungeon. Um, and this is where you start playing the game, basically. Um, before you can get through the dungeon, you have to pick up a lamp, a magic lamp, which may or may not contain a genie. Mr. Aladdin, sir! <laughs> yeah, you can tell I've got two little girls. I've been watching far too much Disney+. Plus. Uh, Leave it there, people. Leave it there. So you, you basically go through the dungeon. You've got your spear. You've got your magical lamp. As you cross this bridge, this huge tide of water comes. You fall into the water, and the current washes you away. And when Maria awakes, she's at a pond surrounded by fairies. 
And yeah, this game just goes balls out on you. It's just like you were living in this kind of real worldish situation. You know, only 10 minutes. <laughs> we're giving you a small dungeon to get you used to the mechanics and then here we go you're now out in this and it goes full like wizard of oz on you you know she's she's dorothy she wakes up in this strange magical land full of pixies and dangerous goblins and weird little towns and she's full of hope courage and dreams i can't speak about hope courage and dreams until the gameplay section so put a pin in that everybody put a pin in it <laughs> and um yeah so that's the that's that's the premise of this story your mum and dad disappear you then go after them to find the white lion you end up in a magical pixie land you're in bloody neverland or whatever it's in more, more disney plus then uh, by the way uh have you have you been introduced to our new our show's new sponsors disney plus mm-hmm. yeah. uh, i thoroughly suggest it if you have young children and there's another lockdown <laughs> I thoroughly suggest it. Uh, but yeah, Maria has to basically just solve the mystery and try and find the white line. And then from this point onwards, it's basically kind of fetch quest city from A to B, Z to Z, <laughs> all the way until the end of the game. Now, it's it's kind of good because a lot of the NPCs, they've either got, um, they're, they're very straight and to the point, you know. Whoever did the translation on this game uh, did a good job on just making sure all the NPCs have an exact bit of information for you. Either they're telling you a little something about the world, you know, like, welcome to Town X, or, you know, there's a giant mushroom over there, to, you know, oh, I buried this I buried this item somewhere. It was between these two palm trees. And that item is going to be used to end up creating a gigantic mythical bridge across the, the lake. Um, you know, this is just kind of the way the game is. It's very, very fetch questy, and you've got to work your way up to the white line at the end. Now, essentially, it is a huge load of fetch quests in between. Like I say, you occasionally get things which are pretty cool, where you got to create, um, you picked up a few items here and there, traded with people, and then you got to open up a rainbow bridge. There's ones where you get to drain lakes and things, and it's really imaginative with the kind of the challenges that it sets you. And I do like that about the game it works it works really really well so you kind of you really do feel like you're kind of achieving stuff when you go to these things and they're they're kind of they're, they're good there as well and you know the dungeons aren't too complicated but i'll get into that later um but it is really really good now before i get on to kind of how the game sums up in the middle and gets to the end let's do one of my favorite things and let's refer to the manual <laughs> you thought you got away with people didn't you Yes, it's a NES game. Read the manual, people. Read the manual. <laughs> but no, all I'm going to do is I'm just going to read the official introduction to the manual. With a mighty roar, the ghost line descended upon the village. The soldiers tried to protect the peaceful inhabitants, but to no avail. Then one brave young soldier summoned all his courage and threw his spear at the lion. Because God knows what the other soldiers were doing at the time. Probably just scratching their ass going, oh, lion. Startled by the courage of the young soldier, the lion disappeared into a cave at the edge of the village, never to be seen again. We must leave on a journey to solve the mystery of the white ghost lion. (laughs) These were the last words Maria heard from her parents. It has been days since they were seen. After visiting the village elders, Maria realises that she must go forth and find her parents and unravel the legend of the ghost lion. You must courageously guide Maria on her journey of this.
discovery. Um, yes. Yep, that's the middle section. <laughs> that's the beginning. Uh, so there is there is kind of a good thing. So I'll just mention, as I mentioned earlier, about the lamp and the spear, which are kind of the two things that you start your journey with. The um, the lamp contains a um, a magical uh, being called uh, Twana. And God knows what Twana's been up to all these years. But he's here now, and he's helping us out. <laughs> and he's a very useful summon. Uh, again, I'll get into that more with the gameplay. I should just start with the gameplay section. Uh, I'll get into that more with the gameplay of things. But yeah, Tawana's really, really good, useful summon. And then you get to the middle point of the game, where there's a dragon. And the only way of beating this dragon, and this is, this is right towards the end, actually, is by using the lamp and basically sacrificing Tawana. He, he leaves you at this point. And he's got all the best magic. He's got the stuff that slays. And it's a bit like, oh, no, you've killed off my favourite one, man. How could you do that? How could you do that to me? And it's just, that's the bastard way these games work, you know. <laughs> it's just like Aerith death. Uh, spoilers, you haven't played Aerith death. Long before Aerith died. So you carry on through your journey and you eventually manage to do the 6,001 things you need to do to eventually reach the giant pyramid in the middle and then go into a cave and then you fight the ghost lion. Once you defeat the ghost lion, it actually turns out to have been Twana the whole time, <laughs> testing you and your courage, and hopefully helping you to have learnt a lesson in your life. And then you you wake up, and you're kind of just asleep under the tree with your mother, and then your mother gives you a huge bollocking about how you could have drowned. <laughs> it's just like... The game, the game really takes a hard left turn or a hard right turn into the fact that yes, this is, this is just like basically full on Narnia style. You know, you are in a dream. This is what it is. You have entered the wardrobe, young lady, and now you're out of the wardrobe. So yeah, the whole thing just seemed to be a weird, feverish dream. You know, maybe she was listening to Shaman's Ebenezer Good, um, and went on this amazing weird journey. But I like, I like the fact that they did try and add a bit to the story. And one of the good things as well is that the NPCs, if they're not guiding you to the next part, they're trying to give you a little bit of lore of the world, which isn't isn't heavy. But having played Dragon Quest shortly before starting up Ghost Line, there's a lot more involvement with the story in Ghost Line in comparison to Dragon Warrior. So I'm going to have to see what score I gave the old Dragon Warrior game, because I do think Ghost Line has a better story to go with it, and I feel like it's better told. Um, you know, and it's it's a lot more original, to be honest with you. You know, it's not original if you compare it to a lot of eighties um, children slash teen movies, but it's fairly original as far as a game goes. You know, I'm sure many games have done it since, but I can't think of a game earlier than this that kind of went down this rabbit hole of like Alice in Wonderland style stuff. You know, Maria fully goes down the rabbit hole, ends up in a completely different world. And then wakes up out of it at the end, which of course is the worst kind of way. But the game does it really nicely, I feel. It doesn't do it in a really shitty way. And yeah, that's basically it for the story. You know, I'm going to move into the gameplay, which is a far more interesting part of this game.
Now, the gameplay is extremely unique. In fact, I'm not even going to start with the gameplay. Let's talk about the world. So, this is essentially a Dragon Quest clone. You know, it's like a spitting image of Dragon Quest 1, except they've put a bit more effort and, well, no, effort's a harsh word. You know, Dragon, Dragon Warrior broke ground. But they've put a lot more design into the overworld. But it's exactly, it controls exactly the same. You've got your single character sprite walking around on the screen, about the same size as the old Dragon Warrior, uh, Edric, whatever his name is. And you have to, I know it's Edric, I'm just being a dick. Uh, <laughs> and then you, you know, left, right, up, down, open up a menu, and then you have to use the menu to do the next couple of things. So, you know, you can select an item, use an item, then you have to go down, you can check your stats, you can check your other things that you've got. It's a very simple system. You've then got your caves, let you into dungeons. You've got your ponds, which can turn, <laughs> I keep saying ponds. They look like little tiny ponds to me, but they're, they're like fairy springs is the correct term, analogy. And they've got these like things that are fairies, but they kind of just look like weird blobby um, type fairies, uh, not fairies, uh, butterflies. They've got butterfly wings. They were really weird, like little blobby things. And yeah, your idea is to go out and explore this world in search of the ghost line. And to help you on your way, you need to find more spirits. And spirits are magical creatures that Maria can summon from specialist items. So, as before I mentioned, she starts off with her spear and her lamp. And so when you use the spear in battle, it summons Moja, who is the aforementioned warrior who chucked his spear at the ghost lion to scare it away the first time around. So that's your, he's your go-to guy, really. You know, he's the one who's going to be doing attacks. Um, I'll go and, yeah, so I'll, I'll go into the other spirits. So there's uh, him, there's uh, Tuana as well, who I mentioned who comes out the lamp. And so he's kind of your first, he's the first one you really pick up because you start with the other one, you pick up Tuana. But you don't really have the ability to use them because there's no encounters in the intro cave until, you know, you get out into the real world. And you've got a huge slug. Yep, huge slug. And huge slug, don't don't think down on being a big giant slug. He was one of my go-to ones. He absolutely battered people. It was great. Absolutely great. Uh, there was a wingman who I didn't particularly use much. There was a giant who I tend to use more to the end. Uh, there was a dwarf and a huge frog who I also used towards the end. There was a great one. There was a great one at Fruit New where a guy in the town gave you some information about this, um, this snake that was blocking your path. And this snake... I, jumped into it and it kicked the living daylights out of me and I was just like oh it's like and I get to this because there's no real rate there's no real way to grind in this game so I thought, oh Jesus he, he battered me this guy in the town said there's he literally tells you about how the huge slug and the huge frog and the snake all hate each other and uh, I can't remember how it's worded but it basically says you can get them into a Mexican standoff so in this boss battle I summoned my huge slug and then it said, huge slug stares at snake. Snake stares at huge slug. Then I got the huge frog out. And it was just like, and then it got this thing. So they were all in a Mexican standoff where none of them could attack. But that meant I could then summon other creatures to attack the snake and it would never attack me. It just like locked it up. And I was just like, it was great. I loved the way that the game occasionally just mixed things up like that. It was really good. So those were the, uh, so Moja, Huge Slug, Wingman, Giant, Dwarf, and Huge Slug were the attacking spirits that you could summon. You could also get defending spirits like Halfling and Centaur, and they would try and protect you. 
as you go through the game. Then you also had magic ones where you had Twana, who again had all the best stuff. Uh, there was Elf and then Gnome. Now Gnome was kind of my backup after Twana left me. Bastard Twana. You know, he masterminded this whole thing a little better. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of, those are the ones that you pick up and they are essentially your attacks. Now, why are they your attack? Because Maria can attack herself, but you're much better off attacking using your summoned creatures. So every time you start a battle, you're just Maria. You then get a choice. Do you want to attack, use an item, or do you want to call, it says on the screen? And this is where I also mentioned dreams, courage, and hope. Hope, no, not hope, sorry. Your, your dreams is how many... Uh, it is basically, uh, dreams is your MP in a sense. So you have to use up MP to summon these creatures. Uh, your hope is essentially your level. So as your level goes up, it costs less to summon them. And also as your hope goes up, they get stronger and their levels go up too. There's a whole leveling chart for each and every single one of them. And you know, it tells you that they can do this, 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 this. And like with the magic ones as well, as your level goes up, they learn more, more and better magic. So, you know, you want to get your level up high to make your creatures attack, defend, use magic a lot better and a lot more powerful. And, yeah, it's just, it's just, it is a bonkers game. Um, and your courage, finally, is basically your HP. Now, it's interesting because when you start, like I say, you start off as just Maria in battle. And then, so you think, God, there's this gigantic thing in front of me. Or you can, you can fight up to one of three enemies. You know, normally it's like three of the same. Sometimes they mix up with their different types of ones. Um, so you want to, so if you start out, you want to summon Moja, get him out there, and then he's an extra person to battle. But you want to keep summoning things because although it's going to cost you your dreams, um, essentially they add as the like um, uh, deflecting targets. So if you just attack with Maria, whoever the enemy is, it's only going to have Maria to attack, therefore taking down her courage. Once you run out of courage, you're dead. You know, game over. Whereas once you've got Moja, Huge Slug, Tawana, Gnome, all these creatures out, there's more targets for them to attack, and so they're less likely to attack Maria. Now, of course, as is, this is a NES game, you sometimes you'll summon about ten things, and whatever the creatures will just hit Maria six times in a row. You're like, yes, stop attacking me! But you know, you know, these are just some things that you can't help, unfortunately, <laughs> with these old games. Uh, they're not overly consistent with that type of thing. But yeah, it's, it's a very, very interesting game. But hope, as I said, hope is your level. But you can't grind hope. Oh no, you can't. You have to find hope as much in real life as in the game. No, um, Hope, literally, you find fragments of hope inside chests in dungeons. So you cannot grind. You have to go out and find your next level. And it's one of the things that I actually kind of liked about the game. So because, because you couldn't over-level in an area, all the, level, all the enemies leveled nicely with you. So, you know, I'm not saying they level, it's not FF8 style where they actually level with you, but as you progress through the game and the enemies get harder, you have to pick up fragments of hope, often found in out the way places and in like little bonus spots in the game. But, you know, it encourages you to explore because you want to find that next fragment of hope so that you are powerful enough to go on to the next stage. And there are 26 of these in total um, to get to the highest level. And I did find all 26. Um, you know, it wasn't too difficult, but it just it made the difficulty curve of the game 
constant, which I liked. I thought it did that very, very well. Um, yeah, that was really, really good. When you actually summon these creatures into battle, though, they have a power rating, which is essentially their HP. But, you know, it's just another mechanic thing on the screen. So they've gone really balls out of this to try and make this a bit more than just attack, magic, attack, magic, like it was with Dragon Warrior. And, you know, I, and I know Dragon Warrior improved on this in other games as well in the future. But they've really tried to take the concept of it, of, drag, of the original Dragon Warrior, and make something a little bit different, even if it looks the same visually. Um, even though it's a bit more bright and things like that, but yeah, it's they, yes, yeah, so they have the power, and as you use a move, that will use up their power. If they get hit by an enemy, that will use up their power, and they'll use up all their power until they're, until they're dead, and then they'll disappear from the battle. But Maria can then use her next move to resummon them, and they will be back at full power. But again, all this will cost you your dreams or your MP. So there are ways, uh, so, and you can have uh, items such as bread, or and it's dragon tears. <laughs> I love that. Dragon tears will replenish your dreams. But they, uh, they're not, not easy to come by. And bread does not restore a lot of um, HP, and you only have limited item space in your menu as well. So uh, it was quite impressive. There was a lot of items you could hold. But once you bought 10 breads, there wasn't much for much else. And then once you start getting to the end of the game, and you know, you've got your decent weapons and all that sort of stuff, there's no armor in this game, by the way, people. And Maria doesn't actually level up herself. Just to be just to, you know, you've got to try and stop thinking of a normal RPG. She levels up and her courage, her hopes, and her dreams go up, which then makes the spirits stronger. So essentially they get more spirit power from her. But she doesn't get stronger herself. She will only attack harder with better weapons, and there's no real defensive stuff. There are defensive um, items that you can find. There's two of them, and you can use them, and it will basically put a defensive shield on her. But there's no actual armor or anything, so you have to fight. You have to find and grind out the money because that's all you get from the battles is money. To get the money for the weapons, once you've got the weapons, you can kill the better enemies, and then once you get the better items, you can then protect yourself better. But all those items, all the items that you need for you know the tasks that you're completing, all the items that you need to summon your spirits, like the huge slug and his jar or whatever he comes in, or Moa's spear. And yeah, all these items then start to suddenly clock up, clog up your inventory and you haven't got a lot of room left for bread and tears. <laughs> so there's a lot of stock management going on that you just basically just buy as much bread as possible and try and conserve your dreams i feel like i'm literally talking nonsense <laughs> just because it's called dreams hopes and courage it makes you feel like you're just talking crazy talk but you're not i'm not I, this is this is really well done and it was it was very different and it was very i i really enjoyed it i thought the gameplay was excellent uh, again i'm not a fan of the whole you know open up a menu and do stuff but i appreciate this was early oh, i can't even say early nes because it wasn't it was um snes era but for us anyway in english-speaking towns uh but yes you know in in japan when it was made you know it would have been made in 88 would have been proper nes era and they would have been based on dragon warrior so kind of the whole menu system to do all the things that you need to do was all the rage and was kind of the best thing that people had really thought of back in the day so 
I can't knock it down too much for that, but it was good. I really enjoyed the gameplay. I thought it was very, very nicely done. But really, people, that's it. You know, this, this was an NES game. There isn't much story. The gameplay was fun. So, and there's no better way of describing it than if you've played the NES version of Dragon Warrior, it just looks like that. Lovely, lovely sprite work <laughs> all over the place. Giant mushrooms. There were lots of giant mushrooms in this game. Um, there was even a whole mushroom town, which I thought was really cool. And then there's towns just in in towers and stuff. And like, and not just like the shopkeeper at the top of the tower. Like There's a whole town of people at the top of the tower full of dangerous monsters. Um, <laughs> it was bonkers. Um, but it felt like a fairy tale. It really did feel like a fairy tale. So I'm sure you're all dying to know, you know, how are we going to rate this bill? You know, this isn't this isn't going to be a five-parter episode. There isn't a lot going on in this game, despite the fact I did really, really like it. But we're going to review this sucker, okay? Let's start at the beginning, people. Yeah, let's start with the story, the ghost lion. Now, I'm going to have to compare this to some of the other NES games that I've played so far, because I think that's the only fair way to do this, really. You know, you can look at games like Mario and say, oh, there's a princess in another castle. That's not really story, let's face it. Um, <laughs> it's not, is it? So you're not going to be, we're not going to be basing it off of that type of thing. But Dragon Warrior, there is stuff going on there. There's a Dragon Lord. You have to go out, rescue a princess. You know, there's a lot of fun and games going on there. Whereas in Ghost Lion, it's a bit more in-depth. So I am going to say it's slightly better than, say, a, a Dragon Warrior. But then also, on the other hand, there's games like Willow, which have a lot more... Um, there's a lot more story in Willow, but it's just trash. So there's no point in that. And then there's Fantasy Star, which has an excellent flowing story throughout. Um, so I kind of feel like I need to get it somewhere in that range between Dragon Warrior and Fantasy Star. Better than Dragon Warrior's story, not as good as Fantasy Star. I think I'm going to give it a nice solid 7 out of 10. Now, now as for combat, combat was great fun. Um, summoning all the different monsters, learning their different moves and techniques and all the different magics that come with it. Uh, the defensive ones, they never really seem to work very well, so I can't really, can't really glorify them too much. But the attacking ones were great. Me, Moja, Tawana, and my huge slug. We were a beast team for a lot of this game. And I just it was fun doing that. You know, you'd be looking at their power levels, seeing if they were going to steal alive, thinking, can I get this move off before they hit me? And then summoning them back into the fight if you needed them 
really, really good fun. And the end boss as well, I didn't get into this too much. Um, the end boss, the white lion, was a bastard. I had to fight him about three or four times. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was just R and Jesus that got me through that in the end. But, you know, I had all my hope, <laughs> all my hopes, dreams and courage. And I just poured him into this lion until it died. Um, but, yeah, it was it was a good, fun fight. And it really kept me on my toes. Really good fun. So I'm going to give the combat an eight. For an NES RPG, I can't really think of anything better. I probably, I think I preferred Fantasy Star 1, maybe. But, no, I think this is better better gameplay than, no, not gameplay, sorry, better combat than Dragon Warrior. But as for non-combat, again, we're using the menu system. I'd probably say Dragon Warrior and Fantasy Stars are a bit nicer to navigate. Um, you know, I think sometimes they just hit the nail on the head. And it is a clone. I can't... I mean, it's a clone. It's just pretty much on par with Dragon Warrior, which I can't give it extra props for ingenuity. I'm probably just going to give it a five. I don't really enjoy it that much, if I'm completely honest. Things like that. So, sorry. Sorry, game. Sorry, Dragon Warrior. Don't enjoy that horrible, horrible menu system opening thing. Oh, sorry. Sorry to the gods of RPGs out there. Um, anyway, uh, visuals. Visually, I like this game. It's got very nice, vibrant colours. Really nice sprite work. Interesting environments. Dungeons are a bit copy and paste, but you know they they do occasionally mix it up a bit. Um, yeah, I think the visuals are a solid solid one. So I'm going to give them a seven out of ten. And audio as well. I actually quite enjoyed the music in this game. I'm also going to give that a seven. Um, again, I you know I know I know who the composer is. It's a guy called Hiroko Masuno. But he doesn't even have a Wikipedia page, though so God knows what he else did done. But he did a decent job on this. I thought I kind of thought the music was good. And it, you know I've splattered it in the review. You'll hear it for yourself. So yeah, I'm going to give the music or oh, six or a seven. Or well, how am I feeling today? Am I feeling fruity? No, I'm not. I'm going to give it. This. I'm going to give the audio a six. I think it's good. It's good, but it's not anything that I particularly remember. You know, uh, every time I pick up the game, like, oh yeah, this. But I've only got it in my head because I listened to it two minutes ago. So <laughs> one of those things. But overall feel, this is my bit I've been waiting for. Everybody, overall feel of this game is a solid nine. I love. Pick I know I kept putting it down. I had kept finding myself with other gaming commitments that kind of had to take precedence. But I, every time I picked up the game, I just loved playing it. It was just an absolute joy. I really, really enjoyed it. And final boss, you know, again, as I mentioned a minute ago when I was talking about combat, the final boss was a nice challenge. Um, and I'm going to give him, let's say, a 7 out of 10. You know, I got lucky with R in Jesus, like I said, in the end. But I kind of feel, I kind of feel like, I'd you, you know, I reckon you could fight the boss five times and you'd probably beat it twice each time you fought it. And then the other time it'd probably lay waste you. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to, I'm just, I'm going to say a seven for the final boss score. But of course, the final boss score does not count towards the final, final scores. And that people gives us a final score of 70. A nice solid 70 out of 100. So I'm pretty pleased with that. You know, that that puts it on the list uh, still quite near the bottom, unfortunately. God, Alice is terrible. But it puts it on par with Castlevania 3. Uh, uh, so, yeah, it's going to be on par with Castlevania 3 above Wild Arms. Wow. 
uh, <laughs> and uh, Resident Evil Revelations is directly above it, um, and above Saga Frontier. But that would be a lot higher if Rich wasn't on that review. <laughs> and whatever the dark pictures, and it's below whatever the dark pictures anthology Little Hope is. That's not an RPG, is it? No, it's above, uh, below Final Fantasy VIII. Not as good as Final Fantasy VIII. Slightly better than than Wild Arms. Do I agree that? No, I think Wild Arms is much better than the pair of them. But you know, my my opinion doesn't always count. <laughs> oh, fun times. <laughs> anyway, guys, uh, yeah, let's see if we've got any listener feedback, shall we? So I only actually know of two other people who have played this game. So there is our good old friend Angry Ass Black Dude on Twitter, um, <clears throat> who says, when I asked him about feedback, he said, "Oh shit, it's been so long, I can't remember anything about it." You know, I, I think that speaks volumes for the game. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so he said he would, uh, but he did say actually just even thinking about it is making him want to uh, replay the game. <laughs> so that also says something for the game. Uh, now Disa, Disa actually did give me some feedback. She said, oh, tough, so long ago. <laughs> Do it so long to beat this game. Uh, and she said, I more or, less, uh, more or less forget the details the second I beat a game. But what I can say is I highly enjoyed it. It was a breath of fresh air. Probably because it was so unexpected. I went in just expecting nothing, really. Never heard of it, and then I was hooked right away. While I would have preferred um, grinding to be an option, I really liked the game. So there we go. That's our, that's our master feedback <laughs> from Angry House Black Dude and Deesa. And yeah, there's a, uh, there was actually a Ghost Lion movie, people. Yeah? Do you hear me? A Ghost Lion movie. There was also a Ghost Line comic strip on the back of the Japanese version, <laughs> which um, where uh, Twana, despite you know he's he's uh, he's white on the uh, game, he's white on the cover, and even on that weird anime art cover on the front of the Japanese one, but on the comic on the back, he's black. I mean, the movie is black, so you know I guess they just couldn't make up their mind what, uh, yeah, <laughs> they couldn't make up his mind. So very strange. But for now, let's do our let's let's let's, let's wrap this mother up. it people we have survived our trip to narnia or karishima i think it's called it's probably just a mention at some point i think the man's called karishima karishima something like that <laughs> we survived our trip there maria has woken up safely in her mother's arms ready for her mother to give her a gigantic bollocking about how she nearly drowned she scared the life out of her and she's gonna be wrapped in cotton wool for the rest of her life just like i'm gonna do to stop one day when when I finally retire him. <laughs> but no. Um, guys, we are currently balls deep into the RPG club. So we are supposed to be getting to some point in Secret of Mana that I can't quite remember. I think it's uh, I think it's something to do with a dragon. If that 
sounds about right. Does that sound right, everybody? Scott? Frost? Is that right? A dragon? A dragon? <laughs> yes, that's how you do it. Finally, loads up. Yes, we're currently trying to rescue the white dragon by next Sunday. So <clears throat> look forward to that and try and keep up with us if you can. Um, apparently, the tiger boss in the last section is supposed to be one of the hardest bosses in the game because you can't have magic. And then the bosses going forward are supposed to be dealt with with magic. So hopefully, we shouldn't have too much trouble with the rest of the game. If that is the case, um, but yes, so yeah, that's that's what you want to do, people, for the RPG club. Don't forget, rate and review the show. You know, we are on every single podcasting app you can possibly imagine, and if we're not on one, let me know and I'll get us on there. Uh, but yeah, you know, if you can give us an iTunes review, that really helps with uh, getting the show out there to new new people because we want we want to share our love of RPGs with everybody. Remember, we've got uh, a Patreon with early access to the show, ad-free episodes, sometimes aftercasts. We'll probably have to take it off one day. Uh, <laughs> lots of extra reviews. Here yeah, we've got now over 20 extra reviews on there. Uh, so if we play a game that's not an RPG, we review it on there. I know we've gone through a lot of the Resident Evil series. We've gone through a lot of Mario games as well. There's a lot of good stuff on there. So check that out. And then you also get to participate in the nominations and voting for the next RPG club game. So once we finish Secret of Mana, you, if you are a subscribed Patreon at whatever level it is, you will be able to nominate a game, which we will then vote on as a, as a Patreon community. And then that Patreon community will then vote on the games that were actually to be the one game that we're going to play. That's your only way of getting in on that action. But anyone can play along with the RPG Club. You don't have to be a patron. It's just the patrons help pick the next game. Uh, Twitch, so we're normally streaming every Sunday. Obviously, that's going to be up in the air a bit with Scott moving. So you'll probably get a few little episodes like this where you know we've, pre, we've pre-done them in advance, ready for the, ready for the hi- uh, Scott's little mini hiatus. Uh, but you can find us over at Twitch RPG after, slash RPG After Years. We have a Merck's, uh, merch store on Red Red Double. Uh, uh, you know, you can find it there. Just search for RPG Years and we'll come up. And guys, if you do want to give us some feedback uh, but don't want it to be public, you can email us at uh, the RPG After Years at gmail.com. And check the, check the links below for our Discord. That's really the place to be. It's always popping up in there. And we're always having good chats about stuff. Uh, especially Hot Topic recently has been Final Fantasy 15. I think Kai has kind of brought that up to the forefront. Um, and all the changes and things that have happened since it was actually first released. Because most of us uh, hosts, we only played the base release game. We haven't played any of the added Royale stuff or the, uh, the extra DLCs. So it's been interesting to sort of hear the differences going on there. If you're on Twitter, you can find us at RPG Years. Uh, you can follow Scott at the Scott Spot, and you can follow me at Metallica M E T U N N I C A, and you can follow Rich at How Blue One Five Six. And that's basically it, everybody. Like I said, we have come to the end of our ghost lion journey, but it's not. Remember, it's not a ghost lion. It's a white tiger. No, white lion. No, I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Just play the game. It was good fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my final thing on it the game was really good fun I really recommend it anyway guys I've been Phil hasta la vista baby and I'll see you all on the flip side
the beast has been slain The world has been saved Our heroes are basking in the afternoon They rest in the tavern for all to hear Their tale of victory and conquered fears Revel in the peace That reigns through the land All will know it was by our heroes' hands Here in the afterlife Here in the RPG afterlife RPG after years. This has been a presentation of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Follow us on Twitter at ProbablyWork for more of our questionable content. Also, we have a website called ProbablyWork.com.